return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. All right, let's stand up a second today. Let's take our Bible, say, This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, it's a seed planted in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. So let me just let me just quickly say, last week, you know, we talked about God as a planner. We see that in creation. We see that in the stars, the galaxies, and solar systems, and all those things. Billions, you know, it's just amazing. It's amazing. Uh, you see also, I was reading something this week, how... Man is thinking, well, it couldn't have just happened, the Big Bang Theory. There must have been something before. They always keep thinking, there must be something before. How did this happen? <laughs> of course, duh, if you just look at God and his goodness, then you're going to figure it out, right? But people want to, they want to put themselves in the place of God. Whether you know it or not, in India, there's a God to intelligence. So they worship intelligence. And so getting a degree, education, and so forth, is, is a, there's a God to that. You're superior then to anybody else, and you worship that God and so forth, which is all very sad. Uh, I think we should be educated, but I think we should ultimately know who the educator, the Holy Spirit, is, who is the teacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we see these things. You look at your body, and you see, wow, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look good. <laughs> You look good, you know, and, uh, you know, you're not walking around with five hands and three legs and all these other things. You're, you're made in the image of God, in his image. You're, 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 there's a balance. Everything he did, 11 systems of your body, all different systems, but all are dependent on each other. Amazing. Just, uh, I like thinking about uh, sciences, and the more science I learned in life, especially after I became a Christian, the more I realized, wow. Look at the handiwork of God. You know, look at, look at, you can look at a cell under an electron microscope and think, wow, look at that, you know. God did that. So, so uh, uh, these are things we come to understand, amen? So then we come down, Jeremiah 29, 11, the course this plans. He has plans for us then, which is good. Hallelujah, amen? And the neat thing about those plans, they're plans to prosper and not to harm you, uh, plans to give you a future and a hope. So they're good plans, Say good. So everything about what God has done, what he wants to do, is good. Then we go, of course, we read writing visions and so forth in Habakkuk. But then we go to Ephesians 1. And Ephesians 1 uses this word uh, predestined. Predestined is just another word for planned. And so God chose us before Christ in the foundation of the world. So what did he do? He made a choice 
to adopt us. God made a choice to love this world, even though the world did not love him. He made a choice and he made a place for you to come into his family, even though lots of people said, no, I don't want that. But it just, it just means that he made a choice for that. That's what this is about. It isn't that he singled people out like you're going to go to hell and you're going to have a bad life. And No, no, no. That's nothing to do with that. People, some people have made whole denominations over this stuff. Kelvin, Kelvin made all these things about predestination. And they're 100% wrong. Just very, very sad. And people follow this. And so then something's happening bad. Say, God, that's God's plan for you is that bad life or whatever, you know. Very sad. I grew up in a town where someone could be bad and they would actually, good, they're going to hell. That's God's plan for them. They're going to hell. They think that. Like, what on earth? I wasn't even saved and thinking, that is crazy. What kind of God are you serving? He planned that we go to heaven. He planned that we come into his family. So he predestined us or he, he planned to adopt us. In Jesus Christ. This is the good pleasure of his will. This is his plan. All right? So he had a plan. Yes, he does have predestination. Yes, it's a plan. You think about anybody in your family, anybody you know that's not saved. You can see anybody on TV. It is God's plan for that person to get born again. It's his plan. He, he purposed that. Amen? From the foundation of the world. So those are, those are good things. Amen? We see Jesus, who was a planner. And the Holy Spirit, which we're very thankful about, and we want to flow in the Holy Spirit, but he can tell you things ahead of time about what he wants to do. That's what Jesus was always prepared. He wasn't taken off, uh, off, off center like, oh, what, what's going on now, Father? What's going on now? You don't see Jesus like, what's going on, Father? <laughs> no, he's always ready for what was happening. Feeding the 4,000 and the 5,000, he had a plan. He had them sit down in green grass. These were thousands and thousands of people. People don't ever stop to think about the complexity of this, but it was a big deal. It took time, a lot of time, to organize these people. And in groups of 50s and 100s. <laughs> we all know how people can be, right? I don't want to sit. I want to sit with Joe over there. <laughs> so the disciples had to organize this. Jesus gave them a charge. What did Jesus do? I'm sure he just sat down. Okay, Father. Just wait until it all got done. Then they came back. Okay, they're all sitting down. Great. Now we're going to bless the fish and these loaves. Then you can proceed to uh, minister that out. And he took up what was left over like that. So God, God uh, has got a conservative side. Amen. So Matthew 28 then. So he has a plan to reach the world. Go into all the world. And, and authority has been given to Jesus. Authority has been given to us. Amen? Acts 1.8. You should receive power. You receive authority when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So the New Testament church began with the Holy Spirit coming and God giving us authority. And Jesus had told the disciples, now this is going to happen. And then I want you to go to all nations. Say all nations. So we want to make disciples. We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Another version of the Bible says, and we make disciples. Who are we making disciples of? Well, we're making disciples of Jesus Christ. Man's way is that they make disciples of their church. They become church members. And people think, okay, now we have, we have all these disciples, so many in our denomination here and so forth. That has nothing to do with it. 
You always know where someone's at if you ask if they're a Christian and they tell you what church they belong, red flag. They've been poor, they, may, they might be a Christian, but they've been poorly taught. Your first identity is to Jesus Christ. We are the, there's nothing in the Bible. In fact, Paul came and says, says, hey, somebody says, I'm Apollos, I'm a Cephas. You're talking all about people, people you followed. Many groups are named after who? Other people that they followed. But the, the key thing is following Jesus Christ. That's the key thing. Otherwise, we just become disciples of churches. That's not where we want to be. For whatever reason, we, when we stepped out and the Lord just said to do this as we did, we became a non-denominational church. But across, beginning about 1980, across the world, without anybody orchestrating it, began this mushroom of non-denominational churches. Across the world, across nations. So that, so that people don't even know what's going on. People can say, oh, there's these, all the denominations are declining in membership. But I tell you what, there's a great move of the Holy Ghost around the world. I spoke on SDSU campus one time, the philosophy and religion class, about churches like this. And then the research is like, whoa, look at the millions and millions and millions of churches. They're all non-denominational. The biggest churches in the world are non-denominational. The biggest churches in the United States are all non-denominational. You check it out. They're non-denominational. They're not denominations. There are people out there that want to make disciples for Jesus Christ, not of your group. That's a good thing. Amen. You can go to any church that you want to. Some of you listening here, you belong to different groups. But you want to be identified with Jesus Christ. So here's the Great Commission. And there's a plan to reach the world. And you want to keep it simple. Turn to your neighbor and say, keep it simple. Just the simplicity of sharing the gospel. Amen? Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, write this down. Without a plan, the vision will perish. Without funding, the, 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 the plan will perish. Right? So, so you have to plan. You have to have funding. You have to decide. What's funding? That you take money to do something to reach people. That's why, why should you believe for God's blessing? Because you want to reach more people. Amen. You can't help the poor if you are the poor. Hello? If you're the poor, how are you going to help the poor? People all across the world, you know, there's poor, there's needy, there's all these things. That's true. And Jesus actually said, the poor you'll always have with you. So it's not like you're going to eliminate that problem. But if you don't have resources, you can't help somebody else. Missions, you know, that we, we, we are doing things around the world just to do what? To, we're taking money, resources, and God blesses that and causes many thanksgivings to the Lord. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's why you want to believe for the blessing of God, because you want to have resources to be able to do something when God asks you to do it. Otherwise, we're like, oh, that's such a need. Well, Lord, do something. And maybe he was doing something, but you spent it all. That's why you save. Turn to your neighbor and say, be a saver. Be a saver, right? Just, just, just keep, keep doing those sorts of things. All right. Luke 9, Jesus sent out the 12. So when he sent out the 12, he had a plan. 
And, and he gave him power and authority over demons and to cure diseases. You should write this down in Luke 9, verse 1. Cure diseases. So Jesus actually gave you power to cure diseases. We in the natural feel like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, there isn't any hope. Well, you know, and, and we look, we kind of by nature look to the Lord. This is just kind of moving on here. We look to the Lord. Lord, do something. And actually he can say, you know, I did do something. I gave you power and authority to, to deal with demons and to cure diseases. That's kind of a neat thing. Amen? Then you go to, to Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, he gave authority or so forth. He pointed 70 others. So he had the 12, and then he had 70 others. 100, upper room, we had, no, we had 120. Of course, he ministered to thousands and thousands. But he sent them out two by two before his face to every city, the place where he himself was about to go. And, of course, he said then again to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and do those things. He was giving directions, so, so preparing the way for him to come. Now, he's still doing this today, by the way. Amen? He's still doing these things today. He's still moving by his spirit today. He's still... Wanting us to go out today. He still has the commission today to take the gospel to the world. All right. Now, today. All right. So let me let me just talk a little bit here that that there are hindrances. We have plans. But there are hindrances to the plans of God. Why are there hindrances? Because we live in a fallen world. And so the devil has come because of the fall of Adam and he knows the things God's trying to do, and so he's trying to hinder that. He can't stop it all, right? He can't stop it, but he's trying to hinder it, trying to slow it down, trying to prevent things from happening. Anything that's of God, the enemy will oppose. You might get up and think, you know, I'm going to read my Bible. Have you ever sat down to read your Bible? And then, oh, I really feel tired. Oh, or read your Bible and think, oh, I better go, I better fit, clean those dishes now. Oh, I better take out the garbage. I better mow the lawn. I better do something else. And we don't think anything of it, but they are hindrances. Just a second here. They are hindrances to God's plan. As simple as reading your Bible. This is going to come on yet here. As simple as reading your Bible. It's not, turn to your neighbor and say, it's not complicated. The gospel says in Matthew 7, there's a clear path to life. There's a clear path to life. And that path that leads to life is narrow. All right? Narrow means it's, it's, not, like a, it's not like a freeway here. It's, it's just, it's a path that leads to life. All right? And, and uh, uh, narrow is the gate that leads to life. Now, the, there's another path, and the, that path is, is broad, it's very wide. There's a narrow gate, and then there's a wide gate. The wide gate is a path that leads to destruction. And then Jesus says many, and actually we, we would look at the percentage-wise, most go or, or on that path. Now, is that God's will? No. No, he planned, he predestined, he planned that people would go to heaven, right? He planned for that. For people to go to heaven. John 3.17 is the verse following 16. We all know God so loves the world. But also he, did, he, he sent Jesus into the world. Not to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to save the world. Right? Amen. He sent Jesus to touch people's lives. Amen. 
That's the will of God. All right. So he wants to touch lives and minister to lives. We go to Matthew again, Matthew 18, and he actually says he doesn't want one to perish. So you take take it down, the, the all the sheep and so forth like that. But it's any, anyway, he says, it's not the will of your father that even one, say one. We look at, uh, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham was interceding. Well, if there was 50, if there was 40, if there was 30. Hey, he doesn't want one to perish. What does that mean? He's waiting in this earth right now. He's not here to bring judgment. He's not here to kill people. Nothing like that. He's waiting for that last one to get saved. Because he loves people. Why does he not want to judge the world right now? Because he loves people. And he wants to save people. Amen? He wants to, to do those things. Now we have to understand, this is in salvation, but this is also in regards to healings. Why is there adversity in healings? Because the devil doesn't want people to be well. We were saying the song, you know, all my life you've been faithful. Many times we feel like, Lord, you haven't been faithful. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, it didn't happen. You're not faithful. No, it's not his fault. He is faithful. He's faithful to his word. But we can't act like we have all the faith in the world, so therefore it should have happened. It is his will for it to happen. It is his will for people to be well. It is his will for people to be healed. That's why we pray that way. Amen? But we do live in a fallen world, and the enemy is trying to hinder us. We stood for our daughter for 12 years. Sometimes in very, very critical situations. Sometimes in life and death situations. But we stood for her life. And people can think, well, you're a pastor, and you pray, and you believe, and you do all this. Yeah, 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 right. But we had to stand for her healing. It wasn't easy. It was very difficult. On the other hand, I, uh, Brother Cornwall, who had been in the Assemblies of God, then in non-denominational churches, had spoken all over the world, and West Coast ministry, and big ministry, the Bible answer man, and so forth. And I came into the room at camp one time, and he was there. We were rooming together at this camp at Glacier Park area. And he's crying. And I said, what's wrong? He's older than me by 20 years. I said, what's wrong? And he, had, and he had the book, our book, and he said, it ended right. It ended well. And he said how they, they in turn, he said, we had somebody in the church and we believed and we did all these things and it didn't end that way. For our trust is in the Lord. We have an adversary who's trying to prevent us from doing anything. People have an, folks, people have an adversary on Sunday morning. You know what it is? Sleep. Man, the pillow feels good. I wake up early on Sunday mornings. I'm usually awake at five something. It's dark outside and the pillow just feels like, oh man, let me hold you, you know. And the alarm goes off and I pop up and I say like, well, I'm ready to go. You know, think about it now. We Little things, we don't think about that as far as something hindering us, but it does hinder us. It can hinder us. Little things, little things that deal with just our physical body. It's like, well, I want to do this, you know. Folks, we think of drugs and alcohol and all these things that, that well, these people, well, they've got to get saved. There's probably as many people going to hell because they worship sports, their job, their money, all this other stuff. And don't make it to church. Don't have time to read their Bible. 
Because they're doing, they're serving all these other things. People say, well, they don't drink and they don't smoke. Well, they're really living a good life. No, they're going to hell. Because they don't have any time for Jesus. I'll say, you, you probably said amen on the camera. Thank you. Thank you. See, we don't think about that. But the fact is, the enemy is trying to use anything he can to prevent the gospel from going forth. People look at Brookings. They say, what a beautiful city. What a beautiful town this is. It's a great place. But most of the city is going to hell. People say, why? How can you say that? Because most of them don't even go to church. They don't even go to church. Most, the vast majority of the city isn't even in church. Let alone living for Jesus. Now, those are just plain old statistics. But it's a nice place. I'm not saying it's not a nice place. Boy, compared to a lot of places in the world, this is really nice. You know? But, but, the reality is, the enemy's hindered in various ways, and people are very brilliant in certain ways, and they're not serving God. Not, not following Jesus and so forth, you know? Now, we, you could have special services here or meeting or say, well, we invited people. And, and I've heard Christians say this. I've heard Christians say this. Well, well, everybody's here who's supposed to be here. You ever heard that statement before? I'm going to switch mics, okay? Steve, I'm going to go to this handheld mic because this is falling off my head. All right. So people say, well, everybody's here who God wants here. Boy, that is, that is so wildly untrue. You know, people assume, well, if God wants them here, if it's God's will, it automatically happens. Not true. Yeah, we hear that all the time. God has everybody here once here. There's 20 people. Yeah, that's everybody wants here. Uh, okay, so he wants those other thousands to go to hell? No. No. Think about what you say. Think about Scripture. Think about the importance of things, all right? People get caught in religion rather than relationship. So people, even many people go to church. Huh? I go to church. Wonderful. I'm glad you do. Do you know Jesus? It's all about a relationship. Amen. See, see, numbers doesn't equal success, right? Size isn't success. Numbers doesn't equal disciples. Someone came to me one time and they said, Oh, Pastor Dave, you know the Catholic Church has to be right because it has to be the right because look at the millions of people and look at the buildings. So it has to be right. And I said, no, it doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be right. It's right when you're following Jesus Christ and living for him. But that person equated, that person equated success with size, success with money, success with people and buildings and all the things like that. Not true, right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, then says... That, that brethren, uh, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, we endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. So they had a plan here. They wanted, they wanted to see them, the Thessalonians. They wanted to see them face to face and so forth. And therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But what does that last line say? But Satan hindered us. So here's Paul, the apostle, who was anointed of the Holy Ghost to write a number of books in the New Testament. And time and again, again and again, we we're going to do that, but Satan hindered them. In other words, he thwarted that effort to see them. Now, today we can say, well, we'll just talk to him on the phone. 
we'll have a Zoom call. We'll, we'll communicate. You can do that. But nevertheless, notice, notice who was opposed to him going. It was the devil. Now, he could have been hindered because they didn't have a boat. They didn't have money. They didn't have different things that, that, that came into place. Could have been weather. But nevertheless, it was the devil that hindered God's plans. And I want you to see the word hindered. It doesn't mean it stopped it. God's, God's word is God's word. So it, will, it is being performed. It will be performed. It is going to be accomplished. It is his word. So his will is going to come to pass for whoever wants to go to heaven, right? Right? You know, you don't, you don't just accidentally end up in heaven. You end up there by choice. Right. So. So, again, funerals and so. Well, he was a good person. He only drank a six pack every day and he was baptized as a baby. And very sad. I had funerals at the funeral home and so forth. And they're yucking it up ahead of time that he's having a beer with his buddies. And it's my time to talk. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Here we go. He's not yucking it up. Not having a beer. Not doing well. I had a funeral one time, and the wife called me the night before. She was drunk as ever. She was angry. And she swore at me on the telephone, and she said, You better not say he went to heaven. I said, Okay. I won't. He died drunk. Got up in the morning, kicked his body with rigor mortis. Get up. He was dead. And so I obeyed her word. She sat in the front row, drunk as ever, at the funeral home. The funeral director said, you better watch out. We don't know what's going to happen. Whatever. We're ready. Didn't make it. See, people don't like to hear truth. People somehow think this gracious, loving, merciful God is going to just let any scoundrel do whatever they want and throw mud in God's face, and it's not going to happen. Second uh, Peter 3.9 says that he's not willing that any should perish. I like this. Look at this now. He's long-suffering, long-suffering, extraordinarily patient toward us, not willing that any, say any, that not one, not one person would perish. He doesn't want one person to perish. Who finds that plan? Well, that's the devil. First Timothy chapter 2 Verse 4 says it's God's plan for all. Say all. God's plans for all to be saved. Let's move this to a different category and think of anybody you want to, but who's a terrorist. Think of somebody who beheads Christians. Think somebody who hates God, hates Christianity. Think of somebody who burns churches who hangs ministers. And they're laughing. And they're mocking. And the Holy Spirit is there grieving. Because that person is also a person that Jesus died for. He died for people that you might not like. He died for us. It might be someone didn't like you. <laughs> While we were enemies. The plan of God is for salvation. 
The plan of God is for us to be well. The plan of God is for you to have a life with joy. The plan of God is for your marriage to be blessed. The plan of God is your children would grow up serving Jesus Christ. That's the plan of God. The plan of God, if you're old enough, you have grandchildren, they would grow up and serve Jesus Christ. That is the plan of God. But also knowing that it's the plan of God, you have to persevere against those forces that try to thwart that plan. Amen? So you work toward harmony in your home. Hallelujah? your wife or spouse is there, you can bump them or something. You work toward harmony in your home. You work toward educating your children. So our children are not going to grow up. They could even be in church here. They're not going to grow up automatically like, I love Jesus, I praise the Lord, I have standards. Because you might, you maybe do, that, that doesn't mean they're going to. Because you see them a little bit at home, but the rest of the time, maybe they're out being influenced in the world. Or on their phone nowadays. God only knows the things that are going on in phones. It's a, ter- it's a difficult time. So, so consequently, we have to counteract those things of the enemy with those things of the gospel. If the enemy's planting seeds, then I want to plant more gospel seeds. Like, like it would say in Deuteronomy, I want to talk about the Lord around the table. Well, actually, how many people sit at a table anymore? You know what I mean? Most of the time, people sit down and meals, uh, families are going a hundred different directions, might not even sit down at a table. So whatever it takes, if you're talking to one at a time at the counter or in your living room or whenever it is, planting gospel seeds to counteract that so that the will of God can keep coming forth. Amen. It's his plan for all to be safe. Say all again. Every person who you meet then, any person who you may not like, God still likes them. God still says, I will adopt them into my family. And that person is as bad as they possibly could be, yet it could be even on their deathbed. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Boom, I love you. Come on in. That's amazing. That's amazing. Romans 1, 11 through 13, then says, Paul said, I'm yearning to see you. I want to impart and share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen, to establish you, that we may be mutually strengthened and encouraged and comforted by each other's faith, yours and mine. I want you to know, brother, that many times I planned, I intended to come to you. Though thus far, I've been hindered and prevented. I've been hindered and prevented in order that I might have some fruit, some result of my labors among you, as I, have, as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles. Notice the word. I've been hindered. I wanted to come. I planned to come. I was trying to come. I've been hindered and prevented. Hindered and prevented. So what does that mean? That means you have to persevere. Well, this week, we were supposed to leave on Tuesday morning, so we were supposed to fly to India. So many in the Indian church, very disappointed. Pastors in cities, pastors in rural areas, pastors in... All looking forward to seeing us. All looking forward to hugging our neck. Seeing us face to face. And many of those pastors we can't communicate with because they don't know English. But they know us. The last time we were there, we had pastors take a one-day 
one took him a day through trains, buses, and so forth to be in the meetings. Just to be there. And they were so happy to see us. They hugged us. But I can't talk to them because we don't speak the same language. So I can't communicate with them other than some of my friends saying, tell them we're sorry. Doors closed. Can't make it. However, however, the gospel is still going forth. Amen? What do we do? Well, we'll try to make plans again when the doors do open again. That's what, we, that's what you do, right? Just because something didn't happen the first time doesn't mean you don't do it again. Doesn't mean you stop. No, the Word of God is still the Word of God. You might have witnessed to somebody. They might have slammed the door in your face. They might have swore at you. I had people swear, I've had people swear at me. And to be honest, it, would make, it made me upset. I was angry. And then I had to get by myself and deal with my anger because it was my problem, not theirs. Why? Because Jesus said, Dave, you're going to have to get over it because I love that person. Yeah, but they swore at me. Hey, no one likes to be swore at, right? Especially when you're doing something good. You don't like someone to say, blankety blank, hell. (laughs) No one likes that. So it was my problem. I had to get over it. I had to believe for the nature of Jesus Christ to get into me to be nice again when I saw that person. Amen? Think about it. I had family members cuss me in the face. I had family members. We were at a dinner one time in the, in the, in the Twin Cities and so forth, a fancy place and so forth, and we got up and we thought, okay, I guess we're done here. Because family members cussed at us because of who we were. Of course, alcohol always gets into effect, doesn't it? The more you drink, the looser your lips are, the more you say things you wish you hadn't said. I had to deal with that. They were lost. They're on the wrong path. I had to deal with that. With what? With me. With my pride. The fact that I was insulted. The fact that I was upset. And it really came down to me dealing with it. And saying, Jesus, help me. And just just letting the Spirit work in me, call me and say, all right, I see your perspective. (laughs) Hey, you're going to see a family member again. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to be nice, right? Some of you know the story of my oldest brother and so forth and how he was going to commit suicide and how uh, he had a gun and all these things. And he wrote the last letter to me, his last letter on his funeral and what he wanted in his funeral. And he didn't want his ex-wife there and everything like that. And I got this letter in the mail. And I got the letter in the mail. I thought, first thing I did is called the school. He was a school teacher. I called the school and the school said, he's not here today. He called in sick. I said, what do you mean he called in sick? He said, he's not here. And I said, I said give me the counselor. The counselor's not there. Give me the, the principal. So the school in, in Iowa, big school. Finally, I got somebody. I said, listen, listen, I told him who I was. I said, go to my brother's house right now. Drop everything. Go to his house right now. He said, okay, okay. They got the message. I told him what I thought was happening, that he had the suicide letter. I call my brother's place. He doesn't have an answer machine, so it rang 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. Finally, the phone hooked up. Pick up, hello. I said the words out of my mouth, the very first words, I said, don't do it. This is a brother that cussed me, cursed at me, all these things like that. I said, don't do it. 
And I began just to preach over the phone, just like that. Your life is more important and so forth. And while we were talking, while I was talking, all of a sudden, someone's at his door. And he said, well, someone's at my door. I said, go to the door right now. Go to the door right now and open that door. He opened the door. It was somebody from the school. I said, I'll let you talk to him. Three days later, I'm speaking at a retreat in Iowa, a men's retreat. And so I thought, I'll slip down to my parents' house. I'll see my parents quick before I can, you know, I, had, I could do both. So I go down there. I see my mom and dad and my brother's there. And so as I'm sitting down at the table with them, I thought I could have a quick lunch. I'm sitting down at the table and the telephone rings. And when the telephone rings, my mom says, well, yeah, he's here. Now, for you young people, this is pre-cell phone days, okay? These are phones with cords and dials and all that kind of stuff. People didn't even know I was going to swing quick detour to my parents' house. She said, well, yeah, he's here. Well, just a second. She hands me the phone. I'm at the table. My dad's there. My mom's there. My brother's there. I'm on the phone. They said, Dave, this is the police, and we're outside, and we think your brother's going to kill you and your parents, murder-suicide. And we've been contacted by the police in the other city. Do you think we should rush the house? And I I'm, I'm got the phone in my ear, and I said, no. No, not right now, but I'll contact you. Give it back to my mom. I'm at the table. I stood up and I said, Dick, let's go for a ride. Well, we're not done eating. Let's go for a ride. I just stood up. I said, let's go. Come on, let's go. I wanted to get him away from my parents. I didn't want him to kill my parents. We walked outside, got in my little Honda. I said, let's go for a drive. Started driving around as we drove around our little town several times. I just began to preach to him. Told him how I got saved, how I got saved in a bar, how God redeemed me. All these things that he criticized. <laughs> but probably for 20 minutes, as I just proclaimed the truth and his need to get saved. Well decorated in Vietnam, three purple hearts, silver star, honored and so forth. All these things. But he wanted to kill himself. And so, after that period of time, we drove back in by my parents' house. I stopped and I said, would you pray with me? <laughs> I'll never forget it. He was strong. He was big. I put my hand down. He grabbed my hand. I said the longest life prayer ever. <laughs> and I had him pray with me. Turning from his sin, turning from things and so on and so forth. And the more I prayed, the harder he squeezed my hand. We finished praying, and the presence of God was so beautiful. It was quiet. I said, can you feel that? He said, yes. And he got saved, and his whole life changed. His whole life changed. Remarkable. Still with Jesus today. And I asked for the gun. He said, actually, I don't have it. I persisted. He says, I don't have it. He says, I left it at home. I said, all right, get rid of it. God cares about people. And we have to, because it's his plan, swallow our pride and reach out to people that need to hear about Jesus. Paul didn't stop. You know, the next verses in Romans, 
Romans there in 15 and 16, he didn't stop. He said, he said, I'm willing and eagerly ready to preach the gospel. So in other words, it's like, boy, the switch is on. The switch of faith is on. I'm going to keep doing this until my last day. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as it says there in verse 16. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of what it says. I'm not ashamed of what it means. I'm going to keep doing this wherever a door opens. <laughs> Amen. A uh, door might close here. All right, look for another door. Like in this room, there's a lot of doors. Look for another door. It's salvation to everyone who believes. You've got to believe, right? You've got to believe. You've got to accept God's offer of adoption. You have to accept it. Amen? People resisted Paul. People attacked Paul. People abandoned Paul. But he did not stop proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 15, Paul says there, Romans 15, 20, he says, he says that, that uh, my ambition is to preach the gospel. Not even where it's already been preached. You know, I, I want to preach wherever it goes, wherever, wherever I can, right? So it says, this ambition is the reason why I have, so frequent, have been so frequently hindered from coming to you. Notice this in verse 22. Because of this, I want to preach wherever, because of this, I've been frequently hindered from coming to you. What does that just mean? Well, attacked. There's various attacks. Sickness is an attack because, because he wants us well enough to go someplace, right? He wants you well enough so that you can go out and declare the good news. That's why COVID was an attack, to hold people back. It's an attack from the devil, right? It's not, it's not God. It's the devil holding people back from doing what God would want us to do. So, so if I don't feel well, then I can't, I can't do much, right? I can't do much. Remember standing, not standing, laying in the hospital with IVs in both arms and so forth, recovering from a cancer surgery. Not feeling very good. But on the other hand, just thinking, thank you, Jesus, I am still alive. I woke up from that surgery. <laughs> it was never fun to go into a surgery. I was out six hours. Never fun to go into a surgery. And they said, you could die from this, Mr. Kaufman. Do you understand that? Yes, I do, and I know where I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. I do understand I could lose my life. Jeannie was there as well, witness of the whole thing. Okay, we just want you to go through the whole This is very complex. You could bleed to death. I lost a liter and a half of blood. But I woke up. Hallelujah. As long as you have life and breath, we're here for a purpose. The purpose is to tell others about Jesus. Just the simplicity of Jesus loves them. Amen. That, that's not complicated, but that Jesus loves people. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 through 9. We'll just a few more scripture verses here. The adversary that we face is the devil. It's interesting that Jesus dealt with the devil. The scripture talks about the devil, but you never hear the devil talked about on Christian radio, Christian TV, or anything like that. No, it's all God's will. It's like, wow, doesn't anybody read their Bible? Doesn't anybody know that the adversary is the devil? Hello? I mean, it really can't get any plainer than that, right? So you're at, the person standing against us or to prevent the will of God happening in any of our lives is the devil. That's why we stand in faith. That's why we confess the word of God. That's why we declare the word of God. So the devil walks around seeking whom he may devour. Now, what is our part? We've got to resist that. Amen? Say resist. So we have to resist the devil. We resist the devil. The Bible says he'll flee from us. 
So we resist, we persevere, we push back against the enemy so that we can move forward. That's why you have a shield of faith. What is the shield of faith? The shield of faith isn't against God. We're going to hold him back. The shield of faith is against the devil. Against the fiery darts of the wicked one. Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. Hell, hell. And people are like, oh, hell, the gates of hell, they're beating on the church. Hey, listen, folks, you don't fight with gates. That's so elementary. And yet most people are thinking, hell's just beating on them. Those gates, those gates, are, boy, they're powerful. No, the church is going against hell and conquering hell. I love Reinhardt's Bonky book, Plundering Hell to Populate Heaven. Yeah, we're going through those gates. Hell's trying to hold us back. You understand that? You're so powerful. You are so Anybody listening, you are so powerful with the Holy Spirit, the devil is scared to death of you. And when you act on the Word of God and start doing things, the devil's like, oh, okay, we had, oh, okay, we'll let those people go, we'll let those people go. You start conquering the ground that the devil used to possess. That's good news. Amen? So those gates can't hold back the church. The church is advancing. The Bible says of his kingdom, there's no end. There's expansion in the kingdom. It's, it's just going, growing and growing and growing all the time. The world would want to say, everything's going to hell and no one's getting saved. Lie, 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 lie. Many people are going to heaven all the time. While we've been in the service, click, 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 just saved, 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 saved. That's why heaven is a loud place. If there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents, it's like, save, save, save. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just constant in heaven. It's constant noise. Constant celebration. Because people are getting saved all over the planet. It is a great time to be alive. (laughs) It's a great time to be alive. And there are doors. 1 Corinthians 16. the, The door. So we see this door of opportunity. Opportunity for service. It's open, was Paul says, open to him. And remember now, there was, there was things that, that hindered him and so forth. And he says, it's a great door and there are many adversaries. The focus isn't the adversaries. The focus is the opportunity. <laughs> I'm excited about the opportunity to declare Jesus. I'm excited about inviting people. I talked to somebody the other day at a basketball game. Of all things, they were from Brookings and weren't Christians. Knew who I was. Made some statements that were definitely not biblical. But my message to them as they sat five rows behind me and over was that Jesus loves you and has a good plan for your life. His wife said some comment like, well, it's kind of wishful thinking about thinking about getting to heaven. I said, you don't have to wish. You can know. Plant a seed. Amen. So all it was is planting a seed. Like, boop, there, boop, there it is. Let them think about it. Right? Not an opportunity. It wasn't an opportunity to preach or say a lot of things. Plant a seed. There's a seed for you. All about a relationship. Amen? So there's a door open. Are there adversaries? Yeah. The enemy wants to hinder anything God's doing in our lives. That's why you pray for your children. That's why you witness to your children. Amen? 
That's why if I can get my grandkids alone, just sit down. Hey, let's talk a little bit. What's going on in school? What's going on in your life? Plant this genie the other day, and there was another young guy from the high school and so forth there. So she was talking with my grandson. She, she just included, all right, here we're going to do, do confessions of faith. And so he's a big guy. So, okay, you know. And so they're confessing scripture. I just thought, wow. You know, and he just took it all in. We'll see people at schools and say, oh, hi, Papa, hi, Papa. You know, they know what we stand for. Amen. They know what we stand for. And so, so the thing is, you're planting seeds. Are there adversaries? Sure, there's adversaries. But, folks, God's greater. If I get to a door, it doesn't open, doesn't open, doesn't open. I'll look around. Oh, there's another door over there. Okay. <laughs> I'll do this right now. And then later on, oh, that door's opened up again. All right. I'll go back to this door now. So we don't stop. We just keep going. We keep doing what we should do. Last scripture in Hebrews. Hebrews 10. I like this verse because it helps us. It says, we don't cast away our confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now we can really read that fast. And sometimes we might think, well, I don't know what, I don't know what else to do. And I must not have done the will of God and so on and so forth. And notice what it says. After you have done the will of God. So you've actually done everything you're supposed to do. Say amen. amen. You've done what you're supposed to do. You're, as you believe and so on and so forth. You've done the will of God. Then you have need of, of patience. You have need of endurance or patience. Persevere. Resist discouragement. Because why? I've done the will of God. God is moving. Something good is happening. And I may not see it yet, but something is happening today. And it is for all of us, folks. Amen? People you've shared with or prayed for, whatever. Something is happening today. That's the wonderful thing. We confess the Word of God is an incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed. It is a seed. And it could be just a glistening moment like someone's just open like, I wonder, God, what? Boom! Holy Spirit will speak to them. You remember what they said to you? Remember that scripture verse? Remember how they talked? Remember they said Jesus? can just be just a crack. We have things growing in cracks in the parking lot. Cement cracks. So we go out every year and we do what? We spray the weeds. Or it could be a tree. But if you let that tree grow, eventually it gets strong enough to bust the concrete. Think of that. So you kill it while it's little. But the gospel seed is a powerful seed that we're planting. And even though the enemy tries to resist, he's a defeated foe. He is a defeated foe. Hallelujah. You know, some of you have loved ones. They're in heaven. Maybe you prayed for them before they passed into heaven. And yet, they're in heaven and you're going to see them again. <laughs> Amen? We don't mourn as others who have no hope. We mourn because we miss them in this life. But we will see them again. Jesus looked even at the thief and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Well, he didn't understand that concept at all. And a lot of things we don't understand well, but we know the scripture which gives us hope. So even long after this life, even long after this life, someday, I always say to people, someday everybody's going to have a funeral if Jesus doesn't come back right away, right? Me, you, everybody you know. However, where we're going is the important thing. Amen. You can have a celebration of life because of Jesus Christ.
He's for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's for you. <laughs> and also remind him, turn to him and say, you're an overcomer. We overcome these hindrances. We overcome these things the enemy throws at us. All right? We overcome that. And we keep going in life. Turn to your neighbor to and say, keep going. <laughs> so, Father, thank you for your scripture, your word that helps us to live in victory today. And, Lord, not to be discouraged. We're not, we refuse discouragement. We thank you that you brought us life. And that you're working by your spirit even now. I thank you, Lord, for a room full of people here and also people watching. They are powerful. They are anointed. Oh, they shake hell because of who they are in you. And Lord, we thank you for this reality that is true. And I pray a blessing on each person here. I pray a blessing on their home, their family, all that they touch. I pray a blessing on their witness that, Lord, they would speak up for you, not ashamed of the gospel, but would speak up for you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for this. Thank you for people sharing this, even on media, hitting the share button, sharing this on media, Lord. I thank you for this gospel continuing to go around the world to bless others. Lord, I thank you for this. We praise you for this day of victory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Bless you today. Thanks for being here. It's going to be a great service tonight, 630. If you want prayer, come on up. Join me up front here. If we need more prayers, we'll have more prayers. Just come on if you want prayer for anything. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.